Hello and welcome back to The Business Of, a podcast that aims to shine a spotlight on some of the great Australian businesses and business people. We're very lucky to be joined today by Kathleen Newcomb. Kathleen, how are you? Hi, I'm really well, thank you. Great to be here. It's great to hear. So Kathleen has had an extensive experience in the education industry where she started as a teacher at Gregory Terrace and now is the CEO of Serena Russo Group. In between, she's held key roles at Study Group Australia and MEGT Education. She now is also the first female president of King's College in Brisbane. We're excited to unpack your career today, Kathleen, and really appreciate your time and coming on. Thank you. All right. So, Kathleen, um, a question that Will and I like to ask all our guests um, first up is, what are you doing at 9am on a Monday? Well, 9am on a Monday is really often about just getting the week started with the team and just checking in with people. So I find I work very well when I'm scheduled. So I like to have meetings organised, whether they're Teams meetings or face-to-face meetings. And mornings are best because it's when everyone's fresh and I think it just gets the week off to a great start. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, And I suppose because, yeah, we get varying answers. Some people go, oh, something different every time or some people like that structure. Is, um, is structure within your workplace something that you guys look for and to maintain across your teams? Or is it, or is it in this sort of work from home, flexible learning, sorry, flexible working environment, have you sort of had to learn to, um, let me find the word, um, be more agile and adapt? Is that, yeah. Uh, look, I think anyone in business today has to be agile and you have to adapt. But overlaying discipline around that is important because there's certain things in business that you simply have to achieve. And without discipline, you won't be in a position to set your goals, follow through what the actions are, make sure you're achieving your objectives. And that's done with discipline. But in order to make things work, that agility has to be there. There's no point being on a path, following through on a plan. It's not working. It's really around responding. And we've learned that, haven't we, through the last couple of years. Mm. COVID particularly, lockdowns, flexibility, that has really taught us that no point in having a plan and sticking with it when life around you is changing so dramatically. So I, I like to think that maturity and leadership is very much around being able to apply your structures and your disciplines, but in a way that allows for anything to happen at any time yeah yeah, that was a question I guess we wanted to ask um, about how you know COVID was a big shock for the overseas training and employment Mm. market so when borders were closed how did you respond to the initial challenges that presented themselves and do you think that any of those changes have now become embedded in the business as permanent features yes a great question and, and one that we've reflected on a lot well first of all let me talk about the beginning of when the borders closed mm. the first thing was it was a massive shock but we were also it was when the borders closed and we were all sent into lockdown was the combination because our first thought was we had existing students or we had students in transit and we had to look after them mm. so looking after the welfare of our students was number one. That included, in some instances, they had no means of support because their part-time jobs had disappeared. Uh, We were organising emergency accommodation sometimes, food parcels Mm. and psychological and um, counselling support for students because they were here in a country, away from their families. Sometimes their countries that they were from, we have a lot of international students were from countries Mm. that had immense waves of COVID and deaths in families so we were dealing with really really serious personal issues so first of all you start with the personal 
Then when we looked at the business, we had to say, well, as every education institution had to do, moving, and I don't want to use the word pivot, but moving Mm. to online. Mm. And we took a decision that we were able to move our staff and our students to online in a synchronous mode, which means we were still doing real-time sessions mm. and with video and, and, yeah. and um, you know, tools that we were able to use rather than just going to a completely distance online model. Mm. And that really was a godsend because it kept people connected and through change, keeping that community connected was really, really important. So as we've come out of the period, thank heavens, mm. borders have started mm-hmm. to open, the learnings from that really have been around that importance of community, number one, and making sure we continue to drive that, not just in difficult times, um, through social activities and engagement, etc. But what we learned about the way people want to learn is, you know, we've continued some of that really great work in terms of uh, capacity to be able to have flexible classes, but with lecturers and and teachers that still engage with the students in real time. Mm. And we've continued that as, as part of our the fabric of what we do. Mm. Because at the moment, international students in particular are allowed to work virtually full time up until the 30th of June next year <laughs> because yeah. of the, the worker shortage in Australia yeah. partly driving mm. that. So we can work around their work hours, et cetera, et cetera. So it's been fantastic. And I think it's moved us to another level of maturity in mm. the way we deliver our education and training. Mm. You, sp- you spoke there about um, uh, education and your, your extensive, uh, clearly extensive experience in it um, at Serena Russo, but also I note that you started back at the enemy, um, Gregory Terrace. So we're... we're <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, That's can, okay. Can you, can, you speak, um, can you speak a bit to your time there and um, hey, what you learnt from that and how that started your passion for education? Look, um, I was blessed to teach at a fabulous school called St. Joseph's Gregory Terrace. And I know in the GPS network that can be... The only thing worse is if you played rugby for um, brothers and that was the field. Yeah. <laughs> so am I allowed Very to say true. that? You can, yeah. you can edit that later. But, um, but do you know, I, I loved every year. I taught at Gregory Terrace for a number of years and I loved it because I, I go back to that word community and mm family. Teaching at Gregory Terrace was very much being part of a community and from the parents, the old boys, uh, from the students and the other staff, there are still people that I connect with now who've become uh, great colleagues and friends from that era. It was a school that valued diversity uh, in terms of it might have sounded as though it was all about what sport you played, but it was. I actually went there mm. to start a music program, an orchestral program, because oh, I right. my original job was as a music teacher. Oh, wow. wow. And I uh, started a program. I was the first year that the school decided every young man coming into year five should learn an orchestral instrument. Mm. And I ran that program, among other things, for a number of years. I was also the public speaking and debating coach. So I ran all the debating programs there. And what a privilege, you know, Mm. to work with really talented young men, beautiful families. Mm. I also coached rugby. I coached cricket. I coached uh, athletics. So I found, I suppose my learning from that was... Uh, it was different from I went to an all-girls school. I didn't come from, you know, that 
exactly that background, but I learned that if you invest yourself where you are and you're very present and you engage yourself in everything that's happening, it comes back to you many fold. Mm. And I just, I loved my time there. I think that, uh, as I said, it was a privilege because it was a very supportive community mm. and everyone was encouraged. And you didn't have to be the A plus student all the time. Mm. Every student was valued and yeah. was always um, a way to find the opportunity for people to participate in school activities. So uh, I loved being involved with, as it was termed, the gentleman of Terrace and being part of the Terrace family. Mm. And uh, I was, you know, privileged, as I said, to be selected to be a teacher and launch mm. such an interesting program and work with such interesting people. Yeah, yeah. you speak about launching. Um, a lot of people launch from a school as a student and go from student into the business world. It's rare, I would have thought, that many teachers transition from being a teacher to being a CEO of such a highly recognised company. Mm. Can you speak to what motivated you to do that and, um, I suppose, yeah, your journey your, your journey to become where you are now? Well, it's a long journey. It's, it, it didn't happen overnight and nothing ever does. But I loved teaching until the day I left teaching. But I was always hungry to do more. Mm. So while I was teaching, I did postgraduate studies in business and it just gave me a little taste of what was outside education. Yep. Mm. And I also was quietly ambitious, I think is what I would say. And I'd never think that ambition is a dirty word. Ambition is a mm. fabulous word because people who are ambitious take risks, try harder, work harder. I always want to employ people who are ambitious because I know mm. if they want my job, they're going to work really hard and, and I'm going to look better because of it. Mm. So <laughs> always, yeah, some, something, I've, something I've learned over time. So I, I took a leap of faith. I left teaching without a job to go to because I was really comfortable teaching. I was doing really well. But I knew that if I wanted to do more and be more, that I needed to take a risk. And so I took a risk and uh, that was scary because at the time I was, you know, um, had a big mortgage with my husband and, um, you know, we weren't, it wasn't as though we had lots of money to, to play with. And, mm. uh, but mm. my husband supported me, which was fantastic. And I, I ended up um, in a job with a wonderful woman called Lorraine Martin who ran a college. And I actually applied to be uh, an IT teacher at this college and mm. she met me and she saw something different in me. And I just want, I needed, you know, I needed a change. So she mm. saw something different in me and she put me in a sales role. Wow. So I actually moved from teaching into sales. And very quickly, I became the international marketing director for that company. And I ended up wow. traveling the world four months of the year, recruiting students into the, the college. And it was because I took a leap of faith but she took a leap of faith as well. And it's just something that's really quite quite extraordinary. So playing it safe is not the way I operate. I yeah. operate by putting myself out there and being willing to put my hand up to try things that are different. Yeah. And, you know, I did that when I said I'll, I'll coach rugby. I'd never played rugby, obviously. Yeah. Um, and, and those years it was quite unusual. And I went to coaching clinics to learn how to coach rugby. I wanted to get into business. So I studied business and I thought I'm going to work out a way to do it. But it was a pretty scary step initially. But um, each time in my career, I grew in that role. I was successful in that role. That business was sold to another business. That took me um, ultimately to work in America. Wow. And mm. I ran a business for the Daily Mail newspaper group, uh, which was study oh, wow. group, own study group at the time for five years in America. And again, it was a big leap of faith. I had a small child. I had a 
a, fa a father who was very ill at the time and the company was sort of not going to ask me would I take the role mm. and luckily they did and they said Kathleen we know you've got lots of commitments in Australia but would you be willing to consider and I talked, over, talked it over with my family and we said it's too good an opportunity to miss let's take a chance let's take a risk mm -hmm. and we did so my career has been very much about risk-taking and mm. trying different things and being open to opportunity. And that's just enabled me to grow and prove myself mm. um, in what I've done. And over that period of time, what happens is you build a reputation. Yeah. So people know that know of you or they see what you do. Yeah. And therefore, it just opens you up to more offers, more opportunity. And I think and I, I would have to say I don't think I've ever other than my first job, applied for a job. Oh, wow. Really? wow. I've, so I've always been, I've always been able to step yeah. from one thing to another. Mm. I can tell wow. you it's certainly a leap of faith deciding to come on this podcast. <laughs> 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 I was thinking that. I just don't know. I have to find out where this can be used and just be careful that it can't be used against me in no, the future. No, not at all. I, I, yeah, um, yeah, no, that's very interesting what you, what you said as well about the way how taking a leap of faith by only applying, I think, was it for the Gregory Terrace job initially? Yes. Was it? And then from... Oh, well, the second job, Terrace was, yes, I did apply for. Um, and then the job which took me to of work course. with Lorraine Martin. Yeah. Who, um, yeah. and then, you know, after that, people approached me about work. Yes. Yeah, it's interesting yeah. that the flow on from, okay, applying, getting yourself in one community and then how that community grows, evolves, attaches to another community. And then you've just found a way to continually add value to the next one that you join. Um, is there, I suppose you're, is there, is there a way that you go about realizing, okay, how, how can I fit in and be part of this and add value? Is it, do you, or do you, does it just come? It's a great question. Look, I think that um, I always have a belief that if you're not adding value, walk away. Yeah. And I did walk away from a 20 year career in study group because I felt that I had been there, done that. Mm. I, I had, exhausted myself in terms of my capacity to add value now whether or not that was true or not but that's mm. how I felt at the time yeah so I always look at a business and my career has been working for public companies private equity private owners different different types and so my view is I look at it through their eyes I, I always look at the business, not from what can I get out of it, but what do they need me to do to make add value to the business? And mm. it changes if it's a private business owner, if it's a private equity, if it's a public company. They all want to be successful. They all want to make margin, yeah. profit, whatever, you, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and they want to grow their, you know, their, their overall valuation. Yeah. Um, my capacity, I guess, is to look at that and put myself in their shoes. Yeah. Because I think if you look at it through your own selfishly and go, well, I just want this out of my career, you're not necessarily adding value. And I just believe you what you put out for and you give other people will come back to you many fold. And that's certainly mm. been my experience. So so my capacity, I think, has always been to put myself in the shoes mm. of the call the shareholders mm. and yeah. the customers. Because what do the customers want to get out of this? Mm. And staff. And so if you, can, if you can live your life through the, the sort of prism of looking um, the shareholder, the customers and the staff and you can understand what their needs are, you'll be successful. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so um, 
were those sort of qualities that you talk about there sort of qualities that Serena Russo saw on you and how did that how did that come about getting the CEO of Serena Russo group yes um well I had known Serena for a long time since I had my first job as in in the business college world as competitors Mm. so we were competitors I suppose it was a bit like churchy and terrace or yeah, grammar yeah. and you know etc so we were we were um we were competitors and so we knew knew each other and an opportunity arose where there was just a, a step change in the serena russo group business mm. some expansion some growth some neat you know area of opportunity and so it was a, a reach out to to me mm. to say look there's a great opportunity. At the time, I was doing a lot of work in Melbourne and my home base is Brisbane. Yeah. And it was just a, a wonderful a moment where I thought, well, actually being based back in Brisbane would be fantastic. So mm. I was open to the opportunity. Yeah. And um, I knew, you know, they talk about when you've been competitors, you know your competitors pretty well. Mm. I knew the mm. strengths and, you know, opportunities with, with the Serena Russo group. Mm. Um, so that's it sort of emerged as it was a, a good win-win for both parties. And I think that's always good when it's yeah, a win-win yeah. for, for both parties. So that's, you know, Serena knew of me and she had confidence in the fact that I had a track record. Mm, so yeah. I wasn't an unknown person yeah. in terms of the industry. So it was a track record yeah. there. Mm. Serena's a pretty, you know, amazing businesswoman. So mm. how closely do you get to work with her in delivering the business objectives and how is that working with her? Oh, we work extremely closely. Mm-hmm. Uh, we start every day, every weekday um, with a 6.30, we call it uh, a boardwalk. <laughs> yeah. And we exercise together. Oh. So we put on our gym gear. We do um, six and a half, seven K oh, wow. walk run every morning. What are you, what are you doing at 6.30, Will? <laughs> <laughs> Sound asleep, mate. <laughs> uh, so, so when you say work closely, very closely, mm. and we are constantly um, in, in you know, contact. Mm. Serena's very hands-on in the business. She, you know, it's a business she founded 43 years ago. So it's, and I've been there for 11 years. Mm. So it's, you know, it is her business. And as I said, we work extremely well together Mm. because she's very different. You know, she, we are, we have different skills, but that's what makes us work well together Mm. because um, our skill sets, our view, our, um, there's, we have a lot in common in terms of the way we, we think, but we also have a lot that's different. And so we challenge each other. Mm. But that's, it's a good, not, not challenge in a negative way. Yeah. We, we think through things, we have good conversations. So, yes, I would say our role as uh, managing director and CEO is as, as close as you would see. Mm. It's very, mm. very close, yeah. And you, sp- you speak of challenges. Um, one of the challenges I know many businesses are facing at the moment is the tightness of the job market. Mm. And uh, can you speak to how Serena Russo um, helps businesses through um, negotiating those challenges and also from the flip side gets people into these jobs? Well, it's two parts to that. One is we, we are an employment services business as part of what we do, which is a Commonwealth government program to help people who are unemployed mm. into work. Now, at the moment, unemployment is very low and therefore our caseload, as we call it, is, is um, smaller because there's just not people out there looking, looking for work. Mm-hmm. So, so we, we look at multiple solutions. So when we are talking to employers who are desperate for talent, quite mm. frankly, 
we look at it from two points of view. What are the different sources that we can harness to bring new people into the business? So whether that is employment services, whether it's traineeships and apprenticeships, which we offer, whether it's taking our international students who are studying master's courses in IT or professional accounting Mm. and saying, think about giving a job to an international student who can work for you for 20 hours or two, who can work and Mm. add to your workforce. Mm. And we're finding a lot of take up of that offer um, as well. So we try to put together a range of solutions to find new people to bring into the work. But the other side of it is how do you, how do, how, you know, helping businesses to grow their people in the business to, you know, into new roles. Yeah. So, so the professional development side of it. And that is because sometimes organizations look outside to say, I'm looking for this skill set and they're looking outside to recruit someone new. But there could be people in the business that could be developed into that role. So looking at the um, education, training, right from certificate level courses through to master's courses. Mm. And we're finding at the moment a lot of interest from big corporates Mm. wanting to engage their middle managers, for example, in upskilling through an MBA or through a graduate certificate. Mm. Cybersecurity, for example, is a big area that we're educating people in. Uh, All of that. So grow your own and bringing people in. We're trying to provide a very holistic response yeah. to the challenging labor market yeah no that's very interesting right. yeah Serena, i mean you guys are serena russell group is you know heavily involved in the education space we mm. obviously looked at your website and you guys have a partnership with james cook university mm. and you also have the russo business school um and then the russo institute for english so what happens with those you know university courses and how did that partnership with james cook university come about well, that, that partnership with uh, James Cook University is probably one of the main reasons that I joined the group because mm. I had a history with study group running university partnerships with University mm. of Sydney, Monash, yeah. etc. So that, that actually started almost 20 years ago mm. and we now have another 18 years on a second contract oh, uh, really? with that. And it's more than just a partnership. We, we actually are James Cook University Brisbane. Yeah, so right. James Cook University operates a Brisbane campus, but it is the Russo Group that runs it. Mm. Um, and a lot of people don't know that. And I often yeah. say our great success is the fact that people don't know it's mm. the Russo Group that actually runs the James Cook University campus because the students are enrolled with the university. They receive a university degree or master's. Um, the same as they would if they're in Townsville or Cairns, yeah. um, but we actually deliver the programs. So that's mm. a very exciting partnership because yeah. it, we are a university essentially. Mm. We also, Russo Business School is a private higher education business that runs pathway courses yeah. for students who aren't immediately qualified to go to university. Yeah. Yeah. And we also have a Bachelor of Entrepreneurship, which is quite an interesting yeah, we course. Saw well. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then Serena Russo Institute really operates at that skills level. And our biggest uh, area of training there is nationally we deliver courses in individual support aged care disability support at certificate three level mm-hmm. so all the people that are needed to go and work in aged care facilities or home and community care have to have a qualification at certificate yeah. three level we train those and diplomas in community services which that sort of health community services sector is a massive growth and growth area in australia and has got huge skill shortages Mm. so we are uh, delivering those courses both to domestic and international students as well so it's quite a a nice i call we have um, 
training and education verticals. So we teach in the health and community services sector from um, certificate level through mm-hmm. uh, IT, hospitality and tourism management, business, professional accounting, etc. So we've got a lovely suite of mm. courses that we teach basically from certificate level through to master's courses. Yeah, mm. wow. Um, um, oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, sorry, Will, I'll take over here. Um, <laughs> so uh, education is not a straight line from for anyone. It's, mm. it's probably the biggest thing that I've learned in both my own experiences in it and also seeing my friends go through it. Um, what would you say are the best characteristics of people who succeed in education programs and then come out the other side ready to enter the workforce? Mm. Look, I'm so glad you mentioned that it's not a straight line because I I think that there's a lot of pressure for school leavers to think that they need to know what course they should enrol in and they see it as it's the most important thing, getting that ATAR or as mm. it is now and getting into the right course because that's going to get me the right job. Mm. I think we've all learned that that necessarily isn't the case and what is fabulous about education now is that you can you can move into it and you can move through different levels or different approaches. You can take time out. And, you know, the thing that I said when we sat down is understanding what you don't like doing is as important as what you do like doing. Yeah. And using education as a means not just to have a straight line and go as fast as you can from go to graduation, but to use it to trial different things, maybe you know, take some different minors or try some different subjects and play around with your course a little bit. But most importantly, get that work experience. Mm-hmm. Get out, get a feel for what it means. And even if it's work integrated learning subject you do or a work trial mm. uh, or it is coming as you guys do, you know, having some more substantial work experience, Take the time. If you extend your three or your four-year degree out to five years, it's not a huge deal. Mm. But take Mm. the time and maybe, you know, take one fewer subjects per trimester to take on extra work experience. Getting there as fast as you, you know, thinking it's a a race is not it. It's about having the experience and also immersing yourself in the experience. It's not just doing the exam. Mm. And I think the idea of immersing yourself and, you know, doing interesting things, um, getting, uh, you know, finding assignments that actually are relevant to your life or what you want to do in the future, not just thinking about it's getting the score. Mm. Um, Now, people will argue this, but, you know, getting your GPA, depending on what you want to do, can be very important, having a good GPA. Mm -hmm. But when you get out into the business world, people don't say, what was your GPA? (laughs) They just want to know what you can do. Mm. They don't want to know what your GPA was. So I think the idea of, as I said, slowing down, having breadth of experience and from an employer point of view when i what i look for is balance personally um you know that you actually had time to have a social life that you had time to engage in sport or you had an outside activity or a interest like running podcasts Mm -hmm. you know says (laughs) says a lot more to an employer than your gpa Mm. yeah Mm. um just taking it back to some of the service lines you offer the last one we wanted to sort of ask about was um You've got a service line dedicated to helping startups now as well. Mm. We found that very interesting. So how does that work? And can you speak to some of the successes of that um, program and what's come out of that program? Have you ever heard of the game Fruit Ninja? Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm very good at it. Well, Fruit Ninja was a startup that started through a program that Serena Russo Group offers. Uh, And (laughs) it was because 
what for many years now, Serena Russo Group has run a program which was called the New Enterprise Incentive Scheme. Today mm. we call it Entre Serena Russo Entrepreneurs, yeah. but many years ago. And it, it's a government program that has helped people who were unemployed or underemployed who had an idea to start a business. And it provided, provided a qualification, provided mentoring and coaching. And also then the government provided some funding not to start the business, but to basically pay you a basic wage or an allowance while you were starting a business. Mm. So in the last 12 months through that program alone, Serena Russo Group commenced over 1,800 new businesses across Australia. And supported it. It is, it is yeah. crazy. But it all comes from the fact that Serena, as a, as a 43 years ago, started a business as, a, as an entrepreneur. Mm. And so we in the organization have this passion for business startups. Mm. We run, um, as I said, we have a, a Bachelor of Entrepreneurship that mm. people can engage in. We have um, smaller short courses, which are just if you want to think about starting a business, what do you need to consider mm. even before you take the, the leap? So the whole area is, is really in our DNA. And in fact, anyone who's involved in these programs, Serena herself does a masterclass once a month. And oh, we yeah. do it on Teams, yeah, on Zoom. Yeah. And anyone who's in our uh, ecosystem that's involved in this business startups area gets to have a one, you know, this great session, this masterclass with Serena. And um, and she listens to their business ideas as well. Yep. Because I don't know whether you know, but many years ago she was on the Shark Tank, I think it was called. Oh, yeah. That, you know, yeah. One of those where – but um, she doesn't quite – it's not that sort of um, event. But the masterclass is to motivate and support people because particularly during COVID, the whole area just – blossomed people suddenly were sitting at home thinking about well what business idea could i commercialize <laughs> because i'm sitting here at home for months what can yeah. i do so we thought that it would actually decrease the number of businesses that we we're working with but yeah. in fact it increased mm. in that period mm. so it's a very exciting area and um, we just love to hear the pitches yeah. you know where people come in with a pitch yeah. and say here's what i'm thinking and we workshop them and we help them to see can, is this something you could commercialize and what would be involved in commercializing this? That's it's very it. exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so useful. Yeah. yeah. Um, I suppose, yeah, you, you speak about the whole entrepreneurial energy. Um, is that something that uh, Serena still brings to the, obviously she'd bring it to the, bring it to the table with, her, um, with, with, with your clients, but also does she bring that to the table very much with the way she runs the business today? Like I suppose as people transition into the latter stages of their business careers they um some people might start thinking about um retirement and taking less risk has that appetite for risk still remained with her and that appetite to you know strive for something more i i don't think it disappears yeah. uh, and you can see it not only in people like serena but you look at the serial entrepreneurs around the world um they'll they'll keep reinventing themselves they'll keep looking challenging and sometimes entrepreneurship comes from a challenge. Mm. You know, it'll come from the fact that there's a, a, a challenge in the business like COVID or, um, you know, changing government contracts or, or whatever it is. 
it's about the burning platform that's often talked about in business. Mm. Uh, and the way some people respond is a management response. Some people respond with an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial response. <laughs> and, and I think people like Serena, her natural DNA is to say, how could we do it differently? Or could mm. we start something different? I'll give you an example. Um, a couple of years ago, we were looking at our costs, you know, as, as every business does, it looks mm. at your costs and we're going, gosh, we're spending a fortune on cleaning. Like our cleaning contracts across 100 offices was massive. Yeah, and wow. Serena said, well, why don't we start our own cleaning business? <laughs> and so we actually launched a business called White House Cleaning. Oh, wow. And we, we started our own cleaning business because rather than paying someone else to manage all of our cleaning, we decided we would bring it and set up our own business. And we yeah. actually then went out and got separate contracts with certain companies to do their cleaning. Oh, so wow. out of a cost review came a new business venture. Wow. Mm. So that's sort of way, and that can be entrepreneurs or intrapreneurs is the way I describe it. So mm. all of us in businesses, mm. uh, we may not be using our own cash or capital, but we can be an entrepreneur in the business by seeing different ways to do things or create new lines of business or new courses, et cetera. So it's up to everyone in the business to have that, that mindset. Mm. And that's yeah. certainly part of our organization's approach to all issues. Yeah. It's a great insight. Yeah, definitely. Um, taking away from Cinerasso for a bit. Um, so you're the first ever female president of King's College. Mm. Um, and for people who don't know they've just transitioned from being an all boys um college to a co-ed college so how do you see your role as president of the, of the king's college council in supporting the growth of kings and that transition to co-ed um college living mm. well last year oh no this year sorry this year um king celebrated 110 years mm. so that's an extraordinary history and an amazing legacy so mm. as as the, as the president um, recently, you know, I've become president this year. Um, I was part of the council that, that made the decision to move to co-residency. Mm. And it was, it was part of what I think is just an, a natural transition for an organisation to say, what, what do we need to, you know, do to be relevant for current and sort of future young people and mm. the idea that that life um in in sort of single residency was great but we could be so much more and we could share the incredible value that king's provides with a wider audience so that yeah. was that was very much part of it mm. um we moved to co-residency and <laughs> covid hit and in fact that was a that was almost a, a blessing in i hate to say that but mm. it was because the university program shut down our community was eventually, you know, sort of pulled together mm. um, and had to be um, very close because they were living in residence and, and isolated, I guess, yeah. which, was, which was interesting. But um, look, my role is very much, I keep saying, I think I will be successful when at the end of my presidency, if we don't talk about co-residency yeah. or, you know, co-ed mm. residency. It comes normal. Yeah. And yeah. That it's just part of the normal fabric of what we do. Mm. Um, and I think that I took on the role of president because I'm very privileged to be associated with King's. I feel that the, the work that King's does for young people and building young leaders in the community is incredible. Mm. Uh, and I, I wanted to support that, but I wanted to bring it into a new era. Yeah. Uh, and I think that was key and there's a saying you can't be what you can't see and so for young women of kings mm. seeing and having visibility 
of yeah. female leadership sure. was yeah. really important. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was one of my other drivers is to make sure that I can be as appropriately a role model. Yeah. If if one refers you know to if you can be a role model, um, so that that I can support. Um, their futures uh, alongside yeah. the young men of Kings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I suppose the final question we'd like to ask our guest, Kathleen, is oh. what piece of advice would you give to a 20-year-old version of yourself? Well, that's a long time ago. <laughs> but I, I, looking back, I, I think that I would encourage myself to follow my heart when I was 20 years old, I had just graduated as a teacher. I came from a family that had very modest means. Education was everything. My mother encouraged my sister and I um, to be independent, mm. which we have done. But I guess I would just encourage myself to, to be a risk taker yeah. and, and to make sure that I, I didn't ever take the easy option that I always pushed myself mm. as far as I could and as hard as I could because I don't think you know your own capacity um, and sometimes it's easy mm. to wear the cloak of what family expectations are and what other people's expectations are and I would encourage myself to be less worried about what other people thought of me and more mm. focused on what I thought of me. Yeah, well, that's great advice that's and great. a great um, message to finish on. Thank you very much for your time, Kathleen. We really appreciate it. Um, and yeah, um, good luck with the rest of your career and um, with Serena Russo. Thanks, Kathleen. Thank you.